So, have you ever been unemployed? <laughs> right? I remember uh, I was testifying to the group last night at the Lugo household, and uh, I asked God to speak. And I said, if you speak, I didn't believe he was real, so I didn't think he would. So I said, if you speak, I'll follow. He spoke. <laughs> and so, and I had a, my job was very unethical. So I went in on the spot and I quit. And I had never re- recognized that. So for the beginning of my Christian walk, I was unemployed for the first five months. Now I was still working out a lot of issues, but uh, tonight we're not going to talk about unemployment as much as uh, job unemployment as we are spiritual unemployment. And so we have the title slide, hopefully. Da da da. Help wanted. Apply inside. And I heard some amens when I asked if you had been unemployed, and you know what this sign means, right? So we see that sign, and when you're unemployed, everybody has an idea of what you should do with your life. They all have five or six openings at their job that you, should, you could get with no problem at all. Right? Hallelujah. Help wanted. Apply inside. And I have some scriptures to read here. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 17, please. If you want to turn to it in your Bibles, I don't know if this is a church that does that or if they just rely on the overheads. We're mixed, all right? I'll wait for a few more seconds. And it is such an honor to be here today amongst friends. Hallelujah. What a beautiful time to visit the the coast in the fall here with the change of seasons. Other than it makes my nose run. But hey, I can get through that. Everybody's offering me a cough drop. Hey, you need a cough drop. Well, all right. All right, Matthew 16, verses 13 through 17. And it says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that you're John. Some say you're Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus said unto them, who do you say that I am, right? We've all heard this story. And we know the answer that Simon Peter gave. Simon Peter answered and said, you, sir, are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my father, which is in heaven. So who, the question here with the scripture, who did Jesus, who did Peter identify Jesus as? The Christ. Acts 1 verses 6 through 9 says, when they therefore were come together, they asked him saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Because that's what Christ's do. That's what they were expecting. Jesus, you are the Christ. So this makes, this is a good question. Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? That's what Christ's do. And Jesus said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem 
and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, and I thought this sounded so crazy when I was a new convert, I had always heard about Jesus dying on the cross. I had heard about Jesus coming and talking to the disciples, but it never dawned on me that Jesus ascended up into heaven, right? And a cloud received him out of their sight. Ooh, dramatic music. (laughs) Maybe he's returning now? Trumpets? I will wait. I think we're safe. Hallelujah. So, I think about those help wanted signs, and I remember when I was an unsaved student at Illinois State University, and I had this friend who played acoustic guitar, and that was where I was first learning to sing. And when I think of a help wanted sign, I remember the song Signs by the Five Man Electrical Band. Have you ever heard that song? Signs, signs, everywhere signs. I remember there was a, there was a verse in it that said, uh, let's see, it said, Signs said, long hair freaky people need not apply. So I tucked my hair up under my hat and I went in to ask him why. He said, you look like a fine, outstanding young man. I think you'll do. And I took off my hat and said, imagine that. You know the next line, right? Ha, me working for you. See, I was a long hair freaky people. Hallelujah. He didn't mention it, but before I got saved, I was a singer in a heavy metal band. So, and so that song spoke to me. I remember, I know what it's like to be on the outside looking in. Some of us, some of us are raised in Pentecost and they, we don't know what it's like to be out in the darkness, but I know what it was like to be out in the darkness. Amen. So the sign is on the door. It says, help wanted. Apply inside. And When you see that sign when you're unemployed, it makes you ask some questions. The questions, the first question you ask when you see this sign is you go, oh, a help wanted sign. Well, who's the business? You you back up and you you look at the sign. You say, who am I going to be working for? The next question asks, uh, what am I going to be doing? You know, there's a lot of jobs that help wanted. Am I going to be in the registers? Am I going to be stocking the beer cooler? Am I going to be mowing yards? What am I, am I going to be driving? What am I going to be doing? And then the third question you have when you see the help wanted sign is, how much is it going to pay me? Right? What are the benefits? So when you see the sign on the door, you look at the help wanted sign. The first thing that you do when you see the sign, if you take it seriously and it's a job that you want, what are you going to do? You're going to, you're going to put on your power suit. I see brother Moss, you've, you're ready for the job tonight, Right? Hallelujah. You put on your power suit, you go down to the employer and you put your best foot forward, right? And you, you don't know if you want the job yet, but you want to act like you do, right? So I remember when uh, I was at, well, I work at headquarters, right? And you go, ooh, big deal. What did you say to me? How did you, how did you put it? You, you said I was on the inside or something of that nature. It was, people think it's a really big deal to work at headquarters. It was a total accident. <laughs> I, I was 
I showed up to headquarters. I was one, running an errand for Pastor Suey. And he just asked me to stop by headquarters and pick up some curriculum at the bookstore that was there at the time. So when I walked in the door, I was unemployed at the time. And I walked in the door. I just graduated from UGST and I did not know what I, where I was going, what I was supposed to do. So I, I walked in the front door. And when I walked in the door, I never went into headquarters because I don't belong there. And uh, I walked into headquarters, and when I walked in, the lady at the front desk said, Chris Anderson. Yeah? Brother Martinez wants to talk to you. And I was like, I don't know who Brother Martinez is. (laughs) But I'm unemployed. So I'm like, okay, maybe Brother Martinez is going to give me a job here, right? So I was in my jeans and I was in a shirt. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to apply for a job. And Brother Martinez wanted to talk to me. So I, I, I had her call Brother Martinez, and she said, she says, Brother Martinez, Chris, that young man, Chris Anderson's here, and you want to talk to him? And I said, I can't talk right now. I gotta go, but tomorrow I can come in at two o'clock. That'll be fine. Excellent. So I run out the door and man, I, my fast begins at that point <laughs> calling that my two friends that I have. And I, I call them, I say, I don't know what's going on here, but I just walked in the door. They said they wanted to meet me. I think I have a job opportunity tomorrow at two. So I drive back. I, I live in Vandalia an hour away. And then the next day I put on my power suits and I show up at headquarters. I've got my resume in my hand, and I go and I find Brother Martinez's office, wherever that's at. It was on the first floor. So I go to Brother Martinez's office, and I knock on the door. He's sitting at his desk. He says, come in. So I come in, and I sit down in the chair. I'm nervous. He says, what can I do for you? I, I, was, I was told you wanted to talk to me. Oh, yeah. Hold on here. And so he picks up his phone. He says, Mary Lou, can you come in here? And I don't know who Mary Lou is. <laughs> it ends up being his wife, who is a secretary. She comes in, and she sees me, and she, she's a short little thing. She says, oh, your brother Anderson. And the Martinez's, as it ends up, they were over the Spanish literature at Word of Flame. So the Mar- Sister Martinez comes in, oh, you're Chris Anderson. Yeah? Awkward silence. Well, I bet you're wondering why you're here today. Yeah? We have a daughter. And they were, trying to, they were trying to hook up their daughter with someone. And uh, so over the next 15 minutes, Brother Martinez is grilling me to see if I'm worthy of his daughter. And I said, and I said, I was like, so I'm giving him, I said, I was hoping this was a job interview. I'm unemployed right now. I said, you know, well, do you speak Spanish? No. Well, there's no job for you under me then. Okay. I said, is there any, I mean, is there any, and they, Mary Lou said, well, there was that one job that we put up yesterday. And I was like, what is it? I'll, so I go to the, the, the board, and it's for an editorial designer for Word of Flame. 
And I'm, I don't know if I could editorial design or not, but I, was, I, I had been fasting. I was feeling the Lord. I was, so I, I grab that thing. I go to the front desk, and I ask her for a, a clipboard. And I'm filling out my resume like you do, and I've got my resume that I'm going to attach underneath it. So as I'm sitting on the chair beside the front desk at headquarters, the phone rings. And if you've ever called World Headquarters when Georgia Jackson worked there, it was very distinctive. And she would say, World Evangelism Center... How may I help you? And then she goes, hold on for a second. Are you Chris Anderson? I'm filling out the resume. Yeah, the phone's for you. I'll put it over there. So she puts me over to the phone and I go and I pick up the phone and on the phone is the lady who was at the desk the day before. She goes, Brother Anderson, you don't know me, but my name is Rose Mitchell and Yesterday morning when I was praying for the Martinez's daughter, your face came clear as a bell. So then when you walked in the door, I stepped out in faith and just, and I know that I put you in a really weird situation. And now I'm children's editor. So I don't think it's a big deal to be at headquarters. I, I, it was a, I backed into it. But God... I, I have never been more in God's will in my life, praise God. I say that to say once again, if you're ever unemployed, don't just take any job. Get, list, feel out, feel for God's call and, and, and wait on him to answer and he'll, he'll put you in the perfect spot. Praise God. So you see the help wanted sign and we're, the first question that you ask, if you can go back to the first question is, who am I going to be working for? right? So there's a sign on the door as you walked in. You guys probably missed it, but it said help wanted, apply within. And you should ask the question, who am I working for? And we, we know who we're working for, right? The almighty creator, the God of heaven and earth. He created everything, the sun, moon, and stars. He, he made animals. He made people. He breathed life into them. He's a pretty, we know him, right? Right. And what's his name? His name is Jesus, but he also has a last name. Yeah, and then my dad used to tell me that he had a middle name that started with H, but I couldn't find it in the Bible. But we have Jesus Christ. And <laughs> I didn't know, I don't know what to do with this, but in praying for the message for this church, this is my message to you, is that Jesus wanted me to focus on that aspect of his name. What does it mean when Peter said, thou art the Christ? See, we just skip past it. We go, Jesus, there's a wonderful name, beautiful name. Everything's in the name of Jesus. But when Jesus talked to Peter, Pete said to Peter that heaven, the Father, has revealed this to you, that you are the Christ. Now, when, if we talk to most Christians and we go, what does Christ mean when we call Jesus Christ? And they answer... Maybe you answer. I'll let, I'll, I'm going to pause for a moment and let you answer. What does it mean when we call Jesus Christ? And a lot of Christians, their, their mind goes to him dying on the cross for our sins. He paved the way so that we can have eternal life and go to heaven. But that's not what Peter was saying. When Jesus was called the Christ by Peter... That was the Jewish word, the, the, or that was the Greek word. The Jewish word was Messiah, and Messiah meant 
anointed one, right? But what was he anointed to do? Yes, he went out and he, he, he sought the lost and miracles happened at his hands. But the anointed one is intended to come and rule Israel in the end of days. That is Jesus Christ. When he said, who do men say that I am? They said, well, you're John the Baptist, you're Elijah, you're Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ. You are the anointed king of Israel. And so then in Acts 1.8, when they said, are you going to at this time restore? That's his job. You're the Christ. And he's like, the father doesn't reveal that to us yet. I'm going to go to heaven. And that's where we're at today. So who is our employer on this help wanted sign? The answer is Jesus Christ. Okay? I repeat, this is this message for this church. God wanted you to think about what does Christ mean? And I know that I'm amongst men that can study better than I can. I I have a testimony, but these men are are learned. But it's, it's a beautiful word. And as Americans, we don't really think about it much, right? Because we don't, Jesus, what Jesus means to us, what does it matter to us that Jesus rules over in Israel? But it matters to him. So maybe it should matter to us. Maybe we should pay attention just a little bit more. So you see the help wanted sign on the door. Who are we going to be working for? We're going to be working for the creator of heaven and earth. His name is Jesus Christ. Praise God. So, part of my testimony is back when I was an alcoholic, drug-addicted, radio DJ, lead singer of a heavy metal band, I had a friend who invited me to see Irvin Baxter because she thought that I would like what he had to say. Do you all know who Irvin Baxter is? For those that don't know who Irvin Baxter is, he runs End Time Ministries, and he considers himself an end time prophet. He reads the book of Revelation next to the newspaper. And he, I mean, honestly, and he says, this is that, and this is that, and this is that. And so I went in 19, I think it was 97, to see Irvin Baxter in Herrick, Illinois, and Irvin Baxter said something that scared the pudding out of me. And that was that Chernobyl, the Chernobyl disaster, Chernobyl is the Russian word for wormwood. And that the the third trumpet discussed wormwood. And so it says in Revelation 8, 10 through 11, it said, And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains and waters. And the name of the star is called Chernobyl, if you were reading this in Russian. And the third part of the waters became wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. Now, at this time, I don't really pay attention to the news. I had heard about the Chernobyl disaster. But here's Irvin Baxter saying, trumpet number three has sounded. Without doubt, irrefutably. And I was like, oh, what does this mean? I wasn't sure. The whole thing was new to me. So it made me go... Maybe I, maybe I should give the Bible another shot. Maybe I should read just a little bit closer. So I went to UGST. And over my studies at UGST, the first year of my papers were all about 
Irvin Baxter. Not about him specifically, but studying about his claims from the Old Testament, the New Testament, all these prophecies and everything. And what I learned at UGST is that he's been wrong a lot. And maybe, just maybe, I said to myself, maybe that wasn't the third trumpet. But Chernobyl does mean wormwood. So then in God's infinite sense of humor, two years ago, I'm at New Life St. Louis in Bridgeton, Missouri. And Irvin Baxter's grandkids go to my church. His daughter married Brother Sistrunk, who's over North American Missions, who attends our church. So Irvin Baxter comes once a year. Now, Irvin Baxter is on TBN, and so when Irvin Baxter comes on Saturday night, we have a ton of people from other churches that come, not apostolic people. All sorts of lunatics. And once they see Irvin Baxter and they hear about the third star in Wormwood... They say, I want more study too, just like I did, right? And the church in its infinite wisdom said, Brother Anderson, you care for new converts. You have a real heart for soul winning. Can you be over the understanding the end times class and and give Bible study to those people? Yeah, okay. I I just wanted to be obedient, right? When your pastor asks you something, I can do it. So I did. So I I have uh, every Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, we gathered for the 14-week Understanding the End Time series. And he goes through and he mentions his four beasts. It's fascinating stuff. It really is. He gets to the trumpets. Trumpet number one, World War One. Trumpet number two, World War Two. Trumpet number three, Chernobyl. He goes on. Trumpet number four sounded crazy. He says it's the speeding up of time after the Berlin Wall fell. Trumpet number five, he says, was Saddam Hussein, the destroyer. And so according to Irvin Baxter... We're on the verge of trumpet number six. Now, you can say what you want, but there's a lot of people that believe Irvin Baxter is a prophet. There's a lot in my study that says Irvin Baxter. But I look at trumpet number six and it says, and the sixth angel sounded and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. Now, sounds good, right? He talked about this in 2008. That's when Understanding the End Times was put together. Since he has taught about the sixth trumpet, you ask the question, well, let's look at that Euphrates River and the four countries that are along the Euphrates River, and you go, okay, there's Turkey, There's Syria, there's Iraq and Iran. Have you guys heard anything about those countries recently? This is the ISIS hotbed. This is where ISIS is waging their war from. And so even though it seems like trumpet number three, four, five might be a little bit, I don't know, but but then I see Irvin Baxter saying we're on the verge of six, and I I see and I go, okay, and, and look what it says about the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay a third part of man. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000, 200 million people. And he says that's the size of the Muslim army. And I heard the number of them. By these three was the third part of the men killed, one-third of the population of the earth at trumpet number six. If you take this literally, and I don't know, if did Jeff Breckel say to take it literally or not literally? He said no. 
He said no. So I say that to say, and that's okay. But this is scripture. So you can't ignore it. I don't know what to make of it other than I put it in the gray. When I was at UGST, see, <clears throat> at UGST, it taught, a lot of people came to UGST thinking everything's black and everything's white. And Stephen Beardsley taught me that most of it's gray. <laughs> and that you just have to put it out on the table and let time reveal what truth is. I say that to say we are spirit-filled people. So this is scripture, and I believe that by the spirit, we will know if and when this gets fulfilled. Is it going to happen? Yes. Because, who do you say that I am, Peter? Well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. You're the king of Israel. So something changed in the mid-19th century. If you study Pentecost, up until like 1870, Everybody believed that the millennium had already come, that Jesus wasn't coming because the church was the millennial reign and that we were post-millennial at that point. And in 1870, people started to study the word of God and go, I don't think this has happened yet. And so they started to read the Bible and go, maybe this millennium, this Jesus is still supposed to come. And when people started thinking about Jesus coming, do you know what happened? The spirit started pouring out. One of the first tongues and interpretation in, in, in the Welsh was, Jesus is coming. When you feel the Spirit, you feel it in your heart. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Now, I don't know when. We, we always have this discussion, Brother Beardsley and I. You know, Paul, the disciples, we had it wrong. Is that, is that safe to say? They thought Jesus was coming then, 2,000 years ago. Whiff. They missed. That doesn't make what they wrote wrong, but what they said, they believed Jesus was coming. Irvin Baxter believes Jesus is coming. I'm not trying to convince you that this is happening. I'm putting the evidence there that it looks like it's possible that Turkey, Syria, Iraq, and Iran, all four who are in the news right now with weapons of mass destruction and a big army, that tr it could be, couldn't it? It could be. I'm okay if it's not. I'm okay if it is, because who am I? So the help wanted sign is on the door. And we're asking the question, okay, we know who we're working for, Jesus, the Christ. What are we going to be doing? And the answer is, if you're not too busy, go out. And use your testimony. Tell people I'm coming. See, we're afraid to tell people. We love using our testimony about Jesus, the healer. Jesus, the guy who died on the cross. But Jesus is coming. And you see, when you believe in your heart, when you study the scriptures, you will find in the scriptures that Jesus is coming. <laughs> I'm 48. I don't know if I'll get to see it. But look at this beautiful girl. She might get to see Jesus on his throne in Jerusalem. We might get to see Jesus. It might be that soon. Now, if Irvin Baxter is right, 
We have a little bit of time before that seventh trumpet blows because the sixth trumpet has to blow. It takes a little time to have World War III. And then if you go with the book of Revelation, there's seven thunders that God said, hold on, John, don't write those down. That one's a mystery. I don't want people to know that yet. There's seven thunders that we don't talk about much because we don't understand them. But there's, so there's still, according to if trumpet number six is blowing, we still have World War III to get through. We still have seven thunders to get through. And then all of those songs you were singing tonight happen. So I say that to say, we, uh, Left Behind series, right? It shows like we're all sitting here and just bing, but there's a lot that has to happen before that can happen. If you believe scripture, I believe that. But I say that, to, I'm not here to convince you that trumpet number six is about to blow. That's not what this is about. God has a job for you if you're not too busy and you want to apply because Jesus is coming. And if you want to experience his power, he's willing to follow you wherever you go and watch incredible things. Your pastor scares me. He's going to Nigeria. He's going to, where else are you going that's dangerous? I mean, it's Cuba, Ghana. You know, one of these days I'm expecting to see a hostage video with the, you'll have a beard like this, hey! Don't pay the ransom. Jesus is coming. (laughs) I hope I'm kidding. (laughs) It'll be all right. He's okay with that. He's okay with that. He's doing it as a witness. Your pastor's going to those places not because he loves to travel. Right? You 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 have a son that's in Paraguay. He's not doing it to sightsee. He's doing it to be immersed and to witness and to serve. So the help wanted sign is on the door. Jesus is asking you to work for him. What are you going to be doing? You're going to be using your testimony. Some of you might say, do I have a testimony? Do you? If you don't, you better get one. Because that's what he, that's his weapon. That's how he overcomes, by the blood of the lamb and the word of his testimony. If I could have, uh, I don't know how the musicians work here. If it's the whole, okay, praise God. (laughs) The whole Beardsley Six. (laughs) Well, that's true, that's true. What, Dad doesn't play anything? It's a... He could play a mean kazoo. I've heard it. He can borrow my clapper. Yeah? <laughs> Hallelujah. So, Jesus is asking you to work. What's he asking you to do? I say again, use your testimony. Get ready to tell the world, Jesus is coming. And if you don't believe that, then you need to get into Scripture and believe that. Because that is where the Spirit's at. We are getting a little bit lazy, apostolics. We're letting letting other people dictate what we read in Scripture. It didn't used to be that way. Apostolics came prepared. Their heart was ready. Praise God. we got to get back in that Word. So then the last question that you ask when you see that help wanted sign on the door, you say, well, what am I going to get paid? Now, 
the easy answer is eternal life, right? We all know Jesus paid the price on Calvary for eternal life, but there's a bonus plan that a lot of people don't think about. Hallelujah. If you read the scriptures of John 15, 13, if you would put that up there. Greater man, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Next, next John 12, 25 says, he that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. I hate to break it to you, Americans. We've fallen in love with life. Who are you dying for? That's between you and God. But if you're not too busy, he has a job for you. Something you can do for him. Well, we are busy. We, we have a lot of Candy Crush to play. A lot of Facebook social updates to get to. I saw a new restaurant that I want to visit. I'm saving up for it. There's a lot, there's a lot on our plate, isn't there? We're way too busy to do this. Are you willing to give your life for Jesus? I was, when we were talking about his trips to Nigeria, he says something of the nature, uh, you know, I, I don't want to give my life, you know, if, they, if it goes, you know, I guess so be it. But, you know, I like to live, basically, paraphrasing, but we all like to live. But what happens if you die for Christ? What happens if you put your life on the, what does it look like to put your life on the line for Jesus in this day and age? Right now, we're not really willing to do it. But what does it look like? Because God is setting something up. Why? Because he's coming. As in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. If you would turn to Revelation 20, 4 and 5. We don't like this passage. I don't like reading this passage, but it's in the Bible. It says, and I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they, those that were martyred, lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. For those of you that haven't studied this deeply, that there's, a, there's two resurrections. There's the first resurrection, which are those that are martyred with Christ. And so we say we have eternal life, but if you're beheaded on behalf of Jesus, you get an extra thousand years added to your eternity. I'm willing to do that personally. I, I'm willing to give it up. I don't know what that means. I say, Lord, use me. Someday, I, if I get beheaded, I'm not going to Nigeria, I don't think. Maybe I'm going with you. I don't know. <laughs> but I say that to say, This is what we have to look forward to. We sang some great songs today. Did you mean them? Because if you're not too busy, Jesus needs you to come to work. Your pastor needs you. The world needs you. I hope that as I'm preaching here today, I know that the Spirit is here. Because when you preach Christ, his Spirit follows 
That is the secret to finding the Spirit is get Jesus Christ on your mind and figure out what he's doing. But when you go out and you start preaching Jesus' name, Jesus Christ, talk about his coming, the Spirit's going to follow. Praise God. If I could have you stand to your feet. (laughs) I was very nervous coming into Stephen Beardsley's church and talking about eschatology. Did I preach with enough commas? (laughs) But this isn't about that. This is is not about pleasing Stephen Beersley. This this was Jesus Christ is. Do you believe Jesus is coming? When you wake up in the morning and you're not feeling so good, Jesus is coming. He's still coming. Doesn't matter how we're feeling. Doesn't matter what's going on. Doesn't matter if we're employed, unemployed. What's going on? Jesus is coming. And he's got a job for us. Are you willing to answer? Praise God. I hope that as I've been preaching, God puts somebody on your mind that doesn't know, that doesn't believe that Jesus is coming. See, what I've learned, we're really good at testifying to each other. Oh, you should see what God did for me. He opened up a lane of traffic so I could drive right through. No, we're really good at testifying to each other, but man, testify to my parents. That's horrifying because they don't believe in Jesus. Testifying to outside of the church. But if you want the miracles, it's that testimony outside of the church that you're going to need to, that's where it happens. Amen? Amen. So here's what I want you to do. And this is what I did on that night when I first came to Jesus. I said, God, if you... If you speak, I'm listening. Are you willing to say that? It's a scary thing to say because he will. Yes, he will. Now, if you're not willing to work for him, don't pray the prayer. Don't tell him I'll work for you because that nothing makes him angrier than you to say yes and then mean a no. He'd rather you say no and mean a yes. That's scripture. Don't tell Jesus, Lord, I'm willing, because it looks good at the altar to cry and say that, but then go out there and not do a thing. But if you humbly come to him and say, Lord, I don't know what you need, but I'm willing. And I can't wait to see what he does in this church. Praise God. If you're not too busy, praise God. So I just want to please find a place to seek God's face in his wonderful holiness. Hallelujah. Lord, we praise you and we love you. Amochotishesete.